Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the top 10 June-born actors on today's episode. What's this? What's this? It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. What is this? A whole new world. What is this? I realized that this episode is coming out a little late, but I was able to keep it within the scope of the month of June, somehow. Um, but hopefully... Um, as I mentioned before, going, uh, going forward, I will have a much more uh, tightly knit and, um, compressed release schedule for my episodes. Uh, and I'm working on it. You know, it's constantly a changing and evolving system. Uh, but I, I'm working on it and as of right now, next month's scavenger hunt is back online, um, and uh, I, I have already finished May's scavenger hunt, and that episode should come out tomorrow, if you're listening to this, when this episode is released. So that should come out at the end of June. Um, sorry for the delay. Uh, you know, my, my biggest apology, of course, you know, I, I would be remorse if I did not apologize to Moran, who very, very graciously took the time out of his life to to um, predict within a point uh, what my, my scores would be for that. So I'm going to make sure I uh, connect with him before I record the episode just to sort of get his take on, on how that all went down. But that is not what we're here to do on this episode. Today, we are going to be talking about the uh, actors born in June that are currently and statistically the top 10 on my spreadsheet. Um, the first thing to note is that the actual number 9 right now, Sasu Hayakawa, will not be included on this list as he has only been in one film that I've seen, which is Bridge on the River Kwai, and given that I rated that film so highly, and that Sesu was nominated for an Oscar for his performance, his, his ranking is very skewed. So, the actual number 10, which we will be starting with, is an actor born in, born in June 13th in 1951, named Stellan Skarsgård. I've seen 24 films of Stellan Skarsgårds. Uh, and they've come to an average rating of 64.42. Uh, with a value of 36, that gives him a score of 100.42. Um, so everyone in the top 10 has at least a score of 100 or greater. Uh, this score puts Stellan Skarsgård squarely at rank 132. Now, unlike May, where we were very, very top-heavy um, with the entire top 10 residing within the top 100 uh, we things are not quite like that and in fact the top eight of may are right now higher ranked than the top person born in june so you know the months are not all created equal in that sense but 
we're talking about Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, he is so um, of all the films he's been in, uh, his highest ranked film at the moment is Goodwill Hunting. Uh, Goodwill Hunting is incredible, um, and inc- just a great movie. He has a very minor role in it. He is not a big part of that movie. You know that is clearly uh, a Matt Damon, Robin Williams vehicle, which as it should be, you know, those two are fantastic in that movie, Robin Williams especially, he won the Oscar for it, uh, but, you know, Stellan Skarsgård is is a presence, and, you know, even in these minor roles that he has, um, especially when we get to his MCU films, he is definitely a very noticeable and, and charismatic actor within all of these movies, and you'll we'll see, you know, as I go through the list here, he isn't a major role in most of the films that he's been in. Uh, for example, if we look at his number two film, which is The Hunt for Red October, uh, that is primarily an Alec Baldwin, Sean Connery film. Uh, but you know he's he and, and and you know he's there. He's not toward the top of the list of uh, of the cast, but. You know, he's always in that sort of second tier, those minor side characters with, that are that need to be recognizable, that need to be notable, that need to have a big impact on the film despite their limited screen time. And I think Stellan Skarsgård is fantastic in that arena. Um, his third film and last film rated in the 90s uh, is Aberdeen, which is far more... Uh, a main character main role for him you know he is one of the principal characters it's like him and lena hetty uh, who is cersei on game of thrones and the film is mostly about the two of them um and i i'd wanted to watch that for quite some time and i think that uh, he does he he you know he he has to play. You know, I think I think Lena Headey gets a lot more to do in this movie because um, you have to have Dylan Skarsgård coming from coming from the point of view of an alcoholic, and that aspect really colors the entire presence of his performance and his character. Uh, while whereas Lena Headey kind of has to deal with that impact and he she has all these other influences from the rest of her life and i think she does the best job in this movie and and really gives it everything and is the better performer not i guess i wouldn't say the better performer but she she has a wider range in the in the film but skarsgard for for his salt for what he's worth is is just magnanimous he is is magnetic and just incredible uh, in in this alcoholic father role, I was uh, you know he I've seen him in similar kinds of roles where he's playing the sort of older wizened uh, but but aloof and enraged almost almost um, crazy character. Um, I would point to his role in Pirates of the Caribbean. I think he opens in dead man's chest with that sort of of, 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 a, of an origin but in aberdeen he is give, it's a much more grounded 
character and I think he's given a lot more to work with and he, he uses that very much to his advantage. Moving on uh, to his most prolific category, which is the films rated in the 80s. Um, some more films here that I, I think he, he has very little... He doesn't spend too much time on screen in them. Uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh, Nymphomaniac Volume 1, Avengers, Nymphomaniac Volume 2, Cinderella, Dogville, Melancholia, Avengers Age of Ultron. Like, he's in all these movies. He's... In my opinion, an unforgettable performer in all of these movies, and um, he's he's able to leave a lasting impression despite his small amount of screen time. Like that's kind of his niche. And while the few times that he does branch out into bigger roles, and I think you know Dogville, he has a slightly elevated role uh, rather than his normal. Um, and you know, reflecting back to Aberdeen. Um, it's it's he's able to do those things he's able to go above and beyond what he's normally expected of, what is normally expected of him but he I, I, I guess I guess my problem is I'm not really sure why it seems that he's not being given these leading roles you know there are plenty of other actors his age you know he's only um, what 66 right now plenty of actors at his age have been helming films and and you know he clearly has the chops to pull that off so i'm not sure where things went wrong um moving on to the films in the 70s um thor uh, which is slightly more than a minor role he definitely a, a secondary character in thor uh parts of the caribbean at world's end and dancer in the dark um dancer in the dark uh significant character uh, so, you know, he, he definitely gets a lot more play abroad than he does in the States. You know, Skarsgård is a semi-recognizable name. Less likely, less because of Stellan and probably more because of Peter or um, uh, who is just in Big Little Lies. Um, Alexander Skarsgård, perhaps. Uh, but <clears throat> either way, um, you know, he, I, I don't know. He, he just, his name does not, I mean, a lot of people don't even recognize it, know his name offhand, wouldn't recognize it if they saw it or, or be excited by his presence in a movie for that, mo for the most part. Um, films rated in the sixties, three of those, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, Thor, The Dark World, and Amistad. Um, again, like these are all films where his roles are somewhat limited, but he, he, you know, that kind of seems to be the pattern. Um, and let's see, I'm unbearable lightness of being, uh, the railway man, deep blue sea, angels and demons, no good deed, Frankie and Alice, exorcist, the beginning, uh, you know we've gotten some bad ones here toward the end uh, and and but he's even the bad movies he's barely in so generally i think that the film itself does not hinge on his performance you know with the exception probably of aberdeen uh, you know i i would wish that he got more main roles uh or even just like secondary roles for that matter 
you know, that would, I would, I would appreciate that. You know, I'm always excited to see him in a new movie. And, uh, you know, I think it's a shame that he's not, you know, getting these leading roles that he clearly deserves. Um, and just kind of looking through some of the films that I haven't seen, uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to see, even the films, like none of these films have him on the cover for the most part. Um, Our Kind of Traitor from last year, he's on the cover. In Order of Disappearance from 2014. King of Devil's Island. So, you know, maybe there's some more things to see. But, uh, you know, he, he doesn't, they need to give him a better chance. Oh, maybe this one. A gentle, somewhat, a somewhat gentle man seems to be mostly about him that probably would be a good watch so that's where i'm at that's where i'm at still in Skarsgård. i think statistically he's you know technically 11th but 10th as far as this list is concerned and for me personally i'm fine placing him there you know i'm looking at the names below him i'm not super bothered by anybody who's lower ranked than him and i'm looking above him I have one gripe, we'll get to that when we do, but I think that he's yet to really break out as recognition, you know, he's yet to have um, uh, an Oscar nomination, so it's tough, it's tough, it really is. So that's number 10, Stellan Skarsgård. Number 9, currently ranked 120th. Uh, born June 19th, 1984, and the second youngest person on this list. Uh, he has been in 17 films that I've seen, with an average rating of 71.59, uh, which gives his value 30, and makes his score 101.59, so a little over a point higher than Stellan Skarsgård. He has not been nominated, or has not won an Oscar, and that is Paul Dano. Paul Dano, um, <clears throat> probably most known recently, most he probably broke out with Little Miss Sunshine, I would guess, as far as films go, um, and then most notably known for Ruby Sparks, uh, Swiss Army Man from last year, Prisoners was a big one that he was in, uh, and that seems to be the most notable films that he's been in. Um, And his filmography is very top-heavy. So he's been in three films rated in the 90s, and two of them are on my list, my top 100. Uh, Number one is Looper. He is not a main character. He's more of a side character in Looper. Um, But he gives kind of a wild, depraved performance in it. Um, Not crazy not like a joker character by any stretch but within the context of the film where you've got Joseph Gordon-Levin and Bruce Willis who are very constrained and very sort of down to earth and as much as they can be in such a setting uh, Paul Dano is definitely more aloof definitely more outside of the box definitely acting in a way that sort of circumvents the typical persona that this that the movie gives off um he has a very small role in 12 years a slave uh and but then the big one is swiss army man uh came out last year he's he and daniel radcliffe co-star in this film 
and it is incredible. It was one of my favorite films from last year. Uh, narrowly missed my missed the uh, uh, best picture Kaffa nomination, <clears throat> but he is is just fantastic in this movie, and the emotion that is that he garners. Um, and his chemistry with Daniel Radcliffe are are almost unparalleled. You know, he it's just it's just fantastic what he's able to do with this incredibly strange and ridiculous premise. Uh, and you know, credit goes to the writing team, but he it's you know selling this premise is all in the actor. You know, he has to make us believe that this is a thing, and he and Daniel Radcliffe are able to do that. And I was blown away by it and very impressed. Um, moving on to his films rated in the 80s, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Again, he has a very notable and re- uh, memorable role in Little Miss Sunshine as a boy who takes a vow of silence des- uh, uh, with the end goal being becoming a, a, a pilot, only to find out that he's colorblind and can't become a pilot. And, you know, his his character undergoes a huge, huge tonal shift at that point in the movie, which is perfect for that movie. Um, and uh, then there's Ruby Sparks, uh, where he plays the main character opposite Zoe Kazan. And he's a writer where he um, manifests Zoe Kazan's character from the things he wrote. And he can adjust her personality and character as he writes it. Um, far more uh, representative of Zoe Kazan's acting talent than uh, Paul Dano's, but he does have a lot of inward emotional struggles in this movie that I think he pulls off very well. Uh, there Will Be Blood, a film I somehow skipped over when I was talking about what he's notable for. There Will Be Blood is incredibly uh, relevant to Paul Dano's career. Opposite <clears throat> um, the acting legend Daniel Day-Lewis, who was Oscar, who won an Oscar for his performance. Paul Dano does, all he has to do is keep up, and I think he does that and a little bit more. He's not ever overshadowing Dano Day-Lewis. He's never even on the same level, but he's able to keep up. Uh, and, and when you're against a powerhouse like Day-Lewis, it, it, that's, that alone is, is tough. The other films he's been in rated in, that I've rated in the 80s are Youth and Lie, L-I-E. Um, youth, he's <clears throat> he's not exactly the uh, pivotal role in that, but Lie, uh, he is. And Lie is a strange movie. Um, it's very low budget. Uh, Lie is actually an abbreviation. It stands for Long Island Expressway. Uh, it came out in the early 2000s. Paul Dana was incredibly young. And he, he, the char- his character is essentially taken under his wing by Brian Cox. Uh, and um, it, it's, it's at times very icky <laughs> as a movie, but... Ultimately, it's it's a very, in my opinion, poignant look at 
don't know. It's kind of like a. I'm trying to think of. It could have been a little bit edgier, but it's just edgy enough to make it meaningful. If that makes any sense, you know, think think like a little more toned down version of Kids, in a sense. Um, whereas with Youth, uh, you're you're looking at something that's he's not really a main character in this movie, in my opinion. This movie belongs to Michael Caine, Harvey Keitel, um, but. You know he's there. He does he does a suitable and satisfying job. Moving on to the '70s, probably what a lot of other people would point to as his best performance, I think, is Prisoners. Uh, and I like Prisoners. I think it's a really good movie. I don't put it on the pedestal that a lot of other people do, especially when I compare it with um, uh, Villeneuve's other work. But he, he is very good in it, and, and he kind of has to suffer quite a lot. Uh, also also in the 70s is Meek's Cutoff, a film I think I rate higher than a lot of people. It's a film without a beginning or an end, and just kind of covers a segment of this family's journey across out west in the old days. And I think it's just a character piece that excels because of the characters and actors that it ha- it portrays the characters that the actors are portraying excuse me and finally there's love and mercy which paul dano has to become like completely and fully become brian wilson and i think he does so far better than john cusack does and nothing against cusack i think cusack is fine in this movie but paul dano is exceptionally great and it's not the best biopic performance I've ever seen, uh, but it's it's definitely up there. It's it's really incredible how close he comes to be feeling and, and looking like Brian Wilson, a person I don't personally have a lot of connection to, but someone I felt a lot closer to after watching that movie. Then we have a single film right in the 60s. That's his voice work on Where the Wild Things Are. Uh, we'll jump down to his average films rated in the 50s, which are Cowboys and Aliens, an enjoyable but nonsensical movie, and Night and Day, which is kind of an action comedy that, you know, disappeared overnight, it seems. And then his three bad films that I've seen are For Ellen, Gigantic, and Taking Woodstock, Taking Woodstock being the only, quote, awful of the three. So, you know... His luxury of having been in a lot of big films when he was younger, Looper, uh, um, sorry, uh, Looper, There Will Be Blood, Little Miss Sunshine, and then kind of taking off, and 12 Years a Slave, and then kind of taking off on his own with Ruby Sparks and Swiss Army Man. Um, uh, He's hopefully paving the way to becoming one of the best actors around you know he's still very young he's only 33 but that remains to be seen you know i could definitely see things kind of stagnating in a sense you know i think paul dano is a great actor but it wasn't until uh swiss army man that i believed that he could really like play any part um 
you know, he was great in There Will Be Blood, he was great in Ruby Sparks, but uh, those were roles that I think didn't ask him to do much and gave his acting partner a lot more to do. And while I think Daniel Radcliffe gets a lot more to do in Suzori Man, Paul Dano, I think, matched him beat for beat pretty much the entire movie. So I'm really happy with Paul Dano. I like seeing him in movies, um, but I'm never... I don't like him as a sniveling, like, miserable person. I, I want him to get out of that sh- that sort of pigeonhole. I think he can. I hope he can. Um, so that's Paul Dano, number nine. Number eight. Born June 26th, 1970. Uh, is an actor with 17 films that I've seen. Same as Paul Dano. Uh, average film rating is 72.53, slightly higher um, and his value is 30, the same as Paul Dano, which puts his score at 102.53. Uh, and this is an actor with a few more voice roles, um, but not, not too many. Definitely someone who is considered, who is a very side character, minor character in, t- in film, but has kind of taken over television for a few years. Uh, and that's Nick Offerman, uh, playing ron swanson on parks and recreation where he became incredibly incredibly well known and and well liked he was able to parlay that into significantly solid roles in films such as the lego movie 22 jump street 21 jump street the kings of summer me and earl and the dying girl smashed knight of cups sing uh danny collins the founder um, and those are just uh, uh, many of the films that offhand I'm con- I'm sure have come out since he had became Ron Swanson um, in a world as well uh, a much smaller film but you know he's a minor role in all these films I there's not too much I can say about him and his performance you know it's very he isn't really given a lot of meat to work with perhaps Kings of Summer being the most depth he's had as a character. Um, some other notable films that he's been in, Wrist Cutters, A Love Story, Somebody Up There Likes Me, and then looking at his bad, worst films, you've got things like Hotel Transylvania 2, Voice Roll, The Men Who Stare at Goats, Were the Millers, Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous. Uh, so <clears throat> none of these are main leading roles, None of them are even super memorable, generally. Uh, but he is able to... But what he's done is he's picked a lot of good movies. He's been in them. He's managed to ride his success. And I hope that he's given more to do in the future. Um, he's 47. Like, he's not even 50 yet. He's got a lot of years ahead of him. I don't know what he's working on right now. If anything but I'm looking forward to it and I, I'm excited to see him in more things going forward. So that's Nick Offerman, number eight. Now, I mentioned when we were talking about Stellan Skarsgård that there was somebody above him that I thought didn't really warrant being rated above him. That's who we're talking about right now. Born June 27th, 1989, and the youngest person on this list, appearing in just eight films that I've seen, with an average rating of 80.88, which is the highest average rating among films I've uh, among 
top the top 10 uh, actors born in June with zero films rated less than a 71. Um, his value is 22, which makes his score 102.88, just a smidge above uh, Nick Offerman. Ranked 102nd is Matthew Lewis. You may not recognize that name. I'm sure many people won't unless you're a diehard Harry Potter fan because he plays um, Neville Longbottom in Harry Potter. He appears in every single movie and as a character actually, you know, has an arc throughout the entire series of films and books. But for the most part, I've never seen him in anything except a Harry Potter movie. So I'm not sure. So as great, as good as he is in the role of Neville, he may actually not be a good actor. I, I have no idea. Uh, but unfortunately, until I see another movie of his, he's highly rated. Um, now, you know, I'll, you know, I've talked about the Harry Potter movies before in a number of different settings and occasions, uh, just for sake of adding a little time to the, this person, to, to Matthew Lewis on this episode, I'll just run down, uh, the Harry Potter movies, top best to worst. Prisoner of Azkaban, Order of the Phoenix, Hallows Part 1, Chamber of Secrets, Sorcerer's Stone, Goblet of Fire, Hallows Part 2, and The Half-Blood Prince, with Hallows Part 2 and Half-Blood Prince both being rated in the 70s, uh, the rest of them being rated in the 80s. And there are a lot of uh, uh, Harry Potter actors who kind of fall in this low 100 rating range and that's because they've either only been in the Harry Potter movies or they've been in that plus like one other thing Um, I think the actors for Fred and George are also in a similar position and that's kind of like a benchmark like I I use for other people and and like this ranking like it used to be like top 80 would you'd be in the top 80 if you were in all the Harry Potter movies and like it's slowly dropped down as more people have had higher and greater Um, filmographies but I kind of think of it now like well are you better or worse than someone who's been in every Harry Potter movie so you know it's it's he's kind of just he's one of the actors that kind of got dragged along through the amazing series that is Harry Potter and which you know I I can't fault him for that necessarily but um, it is a little bit of a numbers cheat for him to be ranked so highly. So that's Matthew Lewis, number seven. Number six is an actor rated 87th, so we're in the top 100 now. Uh, Born June 23rd, 1957, I've seen 19 of her films with an average rating of 70.42 and a value of 30. She has a score of 103.42 when you factor in her two Oscar nominations and her win for Best Female Lead. Uh, and that is, of course, Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand nominated for the film I've rated the highest that she's been in, Almost Famous, and winning for <clears throat> her performance in Fargo is a very recognizable and incredibly talented actress actor who uh, 
deserves this spot on the list, deserves to be in the top 100. She has more than earned it. Uh, like I said, her, my, in my opinion, the best film she's been in is Almost Famous. She was nominated for a supporting role in that. Um, and then the, her, the rest of her highly rated films are all comedies. Uh, Raising Arizona, Moonrise Kingdom, and uh, Burn After Reading. So she's got a lot of history with the Coen brothers, uh, which helps bolster her score because generally the Coen brothers make good movies. Um, looking down the list here at some others that she's been in, Blood Simple is great. Uh, the Man Who Wasn't There is also great. I don't know if that's... Is that Coen brothers? Yes, it is. I, I never remember whether that one is or not. Um... Wait a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. My mistake. I may have... My formatting may have ruined me. Hold on a second. Because... It's either one of two things uh, that kind of went screwy. And... Okay. So the formatting is correct. Um, but actually... I missed that she was also nominated for her performance in another movie I saw, which is North Country, um, which will actually adjust her score to being 81st overall, which moves her into 5th place. We're going to continue to talk about Frances McDormand. We'll jump down to 6th afterwards. My mistake. I'll, I'll take the blame for that. Um, yeah, North Country she was nominated for. Did not win. Um, nominated for su uh, supporting role in that. There's another film of hers that I've seen where she was nominated that I... Another film of hers I have not seen where she was nominated for an Oscar, and that is Mississippi Burning from 1988. That was also a supporting role. Um, she has a, a voice role in The Good Dinosaur, uh, probably the most forgettable Pixar film, um, and has been in a small handful of... Uh, Bad films, Transformers, Dark of the Moon, Eon Flux, Promised Land, and uh, Hail Caesar, which I still think I need to re-watch this movie because of how much praise I've heard other people give it and how bad I think it was. Um, I think it's personally her worst film. Um, but again, I'm open to the idea that it's a good movie and I just need to come around on it. Um, but I, I do have to watch it again. For now, it remains Francis McDormand's least uh, lowest rated movie. And I will happily take any backlash to that that I'm thrown. Um, some other films that I kind of skipped over going down uh, are Primal Fear with uh, Edward Norton, who is incredible in that. And Francis McDormand is great alongside him. Uh, you've got Shortcuts. Uh, a voice role in Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted, Something's Gotta Give, Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day, uh, and Dark Man, all rated average or above. Uh, Dark Man, the only average film in that list I just went through. And Frances McDormand has done great. She's She's been in a lot of movies. She's uh, She has the wide range. She works really well with the Coen brothers, which I think, who I think are, are great directors for actors in my opinion they write really interesting and, and humorous characters 
this whether or not the movies are genu- genuinely funny or or just kind of comedic in in element in, in in spirit i guess i would i would say uh, and her her win for fargo as much as i don't think fargo is an incredible movie i do think it is a very very good movie and i think her performance is outstanding and well worth the win uh, a win she was long and deserving for of in my opinion uh uh, but I think lately she's kind of slowly kind of transitioned into more of a supporting character role in a lot of the movies she's been in. Um, I'm not sure. <sighs> Looking at some of her more recent films, I think I think that for me, I'm incredibly excited to see Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. She is the lead character in that, and I've seen the trailer. It looks exceptional. It's it's it looks amazing. Uh, she kind of lost her lost. You know, she stopped being prolific in the late aughts, um, only putting out two films between 2006 and 2011, um, and then coming back with you know this must be a place and Transformers. But she did kind of turn things around with Moonrise Kingdom, uh, in my opinion, Madagascar Three, then. Uh, was apparently very, very good in Olive Kitteridge, the miniseries, and is now kind of back on the at least a year, a movie a year train, it seems to be. So I'm very excited for that. I love seeing her in movies, and she looks amazing in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. I'm, I'm really excited to see that, and I hope that it's good. So that's Frances McDormand, actually fifth overall, or actually fifth in, of June's born of June born actors and and 81st overall um, so let's go down now to number six <laughs> um, born June 6th 1967 I've seen 32 films that this person has been in uh, which is not the highest quantity um, we'll get there uh, he has an average film rating of 64.56 and a value of 38. He has been nominated for one Oscar, um, which I believe, finding it, is a supporting role in Cinderella Man, and that is Paul Giamatti. With a value of 38, he has a score of 103.56. He is ranked, he is now ranked 87th, now that he was one spot ahead of Frances McDormand, he's now six spots behind her. And Paul Giamatti, huge career, huge wide range of performances, generally supporting and side roles, um, but a couple big main roles that I think are definitely worth taking a look at. Um, firstly, uh, Win Win, where he plays a wrestling coach, and. Um, it's a small ensemble kind of movie, but he is definitely a big presence in it, um, which is his second highest rated film, in my opinion. His first being 12 Years a Slave, very small role in that. Uh, but then you move on, you've got Saving Private Ryan, a pretty significant role in Sideways, Saving Mr. Banks, The Ides of March, um, his huge main role of Amer- in American Splendor, which I think is great. 
Um, and then he has a pretty significant role in Straight Outta Compton, uh, as well as we look down here into, those are his films rated 80 or above, all of them. Um, then we're looking at films like in the 70s, Donnie Brasco, Mighty Aphrodite, The Illusionist, uh, Confidence, Cosmopolis, Man on the Moon. He also co-starred with Dan, uh, Paul Dano in Love and Mercy. Um, you know, just a lot of films that are very high quality. And I would say that he's generally given a little bit more weight to bear than someone like Stellan Skarsgård. Um, and I think that Paul Giamatti, a far more recognizable name, far more recognizable face, uh, someone who is far more prolific in their films, much more recognizable on this side of the, the ocean of the Atlantic and he's just someone who he, he plays evil really well um, but I think he's at his best when he's sort of genuine heartfelt and sort of struggling to do the right thing I think those are his best roles um, and I would point to American Splendor win-win uh, to sort of highlight those things. Um, a couple other films, you know, my biggest memory of him as a kid is from Big Fat Liar, where he plays the villain. Um, he also has roles in The Truman Show. I believe he plays the orangutan in Planet of the Apes, the Tim Burton version. And then he's been in other films that are in the good section in the 60s. Um, like singles, turbo, robot, and robots. So <clears throat> he's been in a lot of things, um, very good films, a wide swath. You know, 21 of his films are rated above a 59 um, out of his 32, which is a pretty good track record. Uh, he's not, you know, he doesn't have the highest value of anyone. You know, he's the fourth highest value of these top 10 people. Um, but he is a top 100 actor. He elevates more so than someone like Stellan Skarsgård the film that he's in by his presence, despite the fact that he's generally a smaller role. Um, he does creep into that secondary character slot a lot more often than Skarsgård does. Um, and I'm looking through some of his me uh, mediocre-rated films, Parkland, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Hangover Part 2, and then... Lower Down, Paycheck, The Ant Bully, Lady in the Water, Rock of Ages, San Andreas, The Nanny Diaries, and Fred Claus rounding out the bottom. Uh, so he's made some stinkers. Uh, you know, most people have. It's, you know, the average person on my spreadsheet has at least one film between 0 and 24, uh, and one and a half films between 25 and 49. So difficult to escape having any bad films. Um, but I think Giamatti's filmography is very overwhelmingly positive, and uh, I, I think he's kind of on track to... He seems like someone who, who's not just... who's not always going to pick the best movies to be in, but he picks far more good movies, far more great movies, than he picks bad movies. And um, as long as he does that, you know... As far as my spreadsheet goes, he'll probably stay in the top 100 for a while. Uh, and, you know, maybe he'll crack back into the top five in June. We'll check around next year. Um, 
but until then, you know, he's doing solidly at sixth place right now. And I'm a big fan of Paul Giamatti. I, I like seeing his name come up on the cast list. It's it's a it tells me that even if I don't like the movie, I've got his performance, and that's generally he's generally got a he's generally a big performer. Uh, he definitely is more of an over-the-top actor. He likes to, um, I don't want to say overact, but almost overact a lot of the time. Uh, so that's what I would, that's kind of how I feel about him generally. That's Paul Giamatti, number six. Now, skipping over Francis McDormand up to number four, we have number 79 uh, overall. Number four in June, born June 1st, 1946, and I believe the oldest person on the top 10, yes, uh, at, at 71 years of age, um, with 27 films that I've seen, uh, an average rating of 65.52, a value of 39, the third highest value, and a score of 104.52, just one-tenth of a point above Francis McDormand now. We have Marion Cox, previously mentioned for his appearance in Lie with Paul Dano, and nominated for a single Oscar. Or no, not nominated for any Oscars that I have seen. Uh, he is has a very similar filmography distribution to Paul Giamatti, but skews a slightly more toward the top. Um, so, with five films rated in the top, rated in the 90s. Um, two of them being voice roles, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Her, uh, the others being Coriolanus, Zodiac, and Rushmore. I think, for me, Brian Cox is definitely going to see a lot of those secondary character roles. He's definitely going to get a lot of villain roles. He plays those with great aplomb. Um, he also does a great job at playing wizened uh, lead uh, teacher roles in a sense or, or sort of um, reticent fathers um, looking at films like The Rookie uh, Red Eye um, or you know if you want to talk about villains you've got the Born films Born Identity Born Supremacy uh, he he has a pretty significant role in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which I thought was very good. And uh, his 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 role in Adaptation, I think, was... I wish he was in it more. You know, I understand that um, a lot of that film revolves around uh, Nicolas Cage, for one. But I, I wish that... I wish they could have elevated his performance a little higher. I, I I don't think he was given enough to do. And, you know, you've got people like Tilda Swinton, Chris Cooper, Kara Seymour, Ron Livingston, Meryl Streep, Maggie Gyllenhaal, all kind of vying for this, for screen time. And, you know, I love all those people too. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think I would want any of their time, their screen times to be cut. Uh, but I just, I just don't, I don't know. Like maybe add another minute of Brian Cox. Like I, he's so electric on the screen. He has a great voice, and he really brings a level of gravitas to to a film that 
is hard to find. Um, other films that he's been in, very highly rated Red, 25th Hour, um, jumping down into the 60 rated films, X2, X-Men United, The Escapist, Braveheart, Troy, The Campaign. Uh, his average films, uh, Red 2 and The Ringer. And then his bad films, uh, The Ring, Matchpoint, Anna, The Long Kiss Goodnight, Pixels, The Anomaly, uh, with the last three of those being in the, quote, awful ranking. Uh, Brian Cox, I think, definitely could pick up or snag an Oscar nomination for a supporting role down the line. Um, he's definitely, you know, been through a lot of films that may or, you know, I, I, I'm not really, you know, I, I, it's easy to say that he should have, he deserves a nomination for some of his roles in the past, but at the same time, like, I wasn't alive then, generally, and I don't, or, or at least if I was, I wasn't fully aware of, like, the Academy scene at the time, so it's very difficult for me to say something like that with the knowledge of, like, well, what is, like, what was he up against? You know, I don't, I don't know. You know, was he really one of the best five performances that year in that category? I don't know. But his career is definitely on the trajectory that, you know, he should be nominated for an Oscar. You know, if, if you know, he just, he's got enough films under his belt you know he hit the golden globe once um but that was for a tv performance so uh it's tough it, it, it may not happen you know i could definitely see it he may get overlooked but I, I i think he's deserved it he's built up enough credit for me at least that he fully deserves that recognition so brian cox love brian cox uh Number four overall, or number four in June, number 79 overall. Number three, we finally, finally get into the top 50. Only three people in the top 50, and this person is exactly number 50, born June 9th, 1963. Uh, he is, he is 54 years old, which, yeah, I guess that seems about right. Um, I've seen 46 films that he's been in, so this is a very long list. His average rating is 59.28, the lowest average rating of the top 10. Uh, but he has been in the most films that I've seen of the top 10, which compensates. Uh, and uh, he has been nominated for three Oscars that I've seen. His value is a 47, the second highest value, which makes the score 109.28. So pretty big jump between Brian Cox and Johnny Depp, almost five full points. And this is none other than Johnny Depp. Now, a lot of haters on Johnny Depp, I think, lately, between his recurring roles as makeup man, <laughs> you know, between the Pirates of the Caribbean, um, Mordecai, uh, and uh, the Lone Ranger, and you know Dark Shadows. He has had a lot of misses in the last couple of years, but nevertheless, I think he is an incredible actor who hit his stride in 
the aughts and in the 90s and I believe that he is more than capable of getting back to those roots. Oh, and Alice in Wonderland as far as bad performances and bad roles go. Um, My favorite performance of his is actually a voice role in Corpse Bride. He is a frequent collaborator with Tim Burton, uh, to my delight, because I love Tim Burton. And uh, you'll see a lot of Tim Burton films on this list. Um, His number two film is an Oscar-nominated performance for Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Um, moving forward, uh, still in the 90s right now, Ed Wood, another incredible performance. Johnny Depp, unlike a lot of the people we've already gone through, is definitely a leading man in these movies, in a lot of his movies. Um, that's not always to the benefit of the movie, that's for sure, but uh, most of the time I would say that it is. And I think that while there are a couple of cases where he probably should have been relegated to more of a side character or secondary character, um, notably the later parts of the Caribbean movies, he is still now able to command the screen. You know, he just has that charisma, has that chemistry with the camera. Like, you know, that's what he has. Um, another voice role in his top five is Rango and is finishing out. Uh, all his films rated in the 90s, is Platoon. Now, uh, moving down, we've got 21 Jump Street, which is just a cameo, so nothing too significant there. But then he has a great performance alongside Leonardo DiCaprio in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Another great collaboration with Tim Burton in Edward Scissorhands. Uh, Just an eclectic role. And whatever you want to say about him becoming the you know, the Mad Hatter or Johnny Depp or uh, Jack Sparrow or the, or Tonto or any of these other people with, that are lavish and, and genuine, genuinely bonkers people. Um, You know, he embodies, you know, he dives into those performances. You know, Edward Scissorhands, I don't know anyone else who could have played that role, you know, especially now. Uh, I don't know who could play that role the way Johnny Depp plays that role. And it's insane he wasn't that he wasn't nominated for that, but he was nominated for uh, the next two performances, I think that are also equally great. Finding Neverland, uh, surprisingly enjoyable. I wasn't expecting to like it that much. And Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Uh, now he... Also has a pretty decent singing voice. Uh, I'm not sure if he has any sort of musical background or, or stage background in that regard, but he's been in quite a few musicals as we'll go down, and I think that he succeeds. Uh, he's not amazing, but he succeeds. Um, not, so he was nominated for both Finding Neverland and Sweeney Todd. And then rounding out his 80-rated films are Once Upon a Time in Mexico and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street is his first film. Once Upon a Time in Mexico, uh, a very good film where he doesn't have to be that wacky character. Um, You've got Donnie Brasco, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Before Night Falls, Cry Baby, Chocolat, and then Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, mostly just a cameo. Lucky Them, Alice in Wonderland, Sleepy Hollow, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, uh, and Pirates of the Caribbean, 
Dead Man's Chest. Um, so he has 22 films that are rated above a 69. Uh, moving on to his films right in the 60s, you know, like I, you know, I'm kind of just like running through all these films. There's a lot of films. I can't talk about all of them. Um, but you can kind of get from the gist of where they're placed and, and how high up on the list that they are that I genuinely like them. I genuinely enjoy seeing Johnny Depp in movies, um, despite the fact that he's been in quite a few bad films. And in fact, the most bad films out of anybody on this list, I still get excited when I see that he's going to be in a movie. And not everybody is anymore. Um, what with the surprise inclusion of him in Fantastic Beasts and things like that, I'm very excited for films like Murder on the Orient Express, which he is in, uh, and and so on and so forth. Um, films right in the 60s. Dead Man's Chest, Secret Window, Benny and June, Public Enemies, Into the Woods Musical, Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, Black Mass, The Brave. So, uh, Black Mass... Uh, it was everyone kind of saw Black Mass as kind of his return to sort of a powerful performance, um, and I kind of did in a way. I think his performance is better than the movie. I think his performance elevates the movie, but ultimately, it's not enough to make the movie great. And I don't think he has that capability on his own. Um, he certainly, I think, I think without the collaboration of an incredibly talented director genuinely Tim Burton um, generally Tim Burton but often other times at other times other people he he can't just carry the weight himself um, as we've seen in the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels uh, he needs that ensemble he needs someone to direct him and to shepherd him in a, in a direction now he'll he'll pinpoint the right place if you can just point him toward it um and i think black mass was him feeling for the right direction to go and 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 just missing it a, a, off a couple of degrees not by much but he he just missed it a little bit um his one average rated movie is dead man uh, jarmouche and then uh, his huge list of bad movies, so Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Dark Shadows, Alice with the Looking Glass, From Hell, Blow, The Lone Ranger, his awful films, The Libertine, Transcendence, The Tourist, Nick of Time, Mordecai, The Astronaut's Wife, and finally, Jack and Jill. Um... Now, also, uh, Johnny Depp is the only, uh, is the fourth most prolific actor I've seen. Uh, so there are only three people who I've seen more than more films of than Johnny Depp at 46. That's a very high number. That's a lot of Johnny Depp to watch. Um, you know, if, it, if each film was two hours, that's like four days of movies almost. Uh, so without sleep. So that's a lot to go through. And it might even be, might, the average might even skew a little higher than that, all those Pirates movies. Um, but in my opinion, he's definitely more weighted on the good side of his filmography. Yes, many of those films are slowly becoming older and older as we move on. 
and he's not really putting out much good new stuff, which is why he's dropped so much on my list. He used to be in the top 10, if you can believe it, um, but with films like Mordecai and uh, you know recent films from that I've seen that are older are Tourist, Nick of Time, Transcendence then, The Lone Ranger, Alistair the Looking Glass, Dark Shadows, Dead Men Tell No Tales, On Stranger Tides. Like these films are just dragging him down like an anchor. And uh, he might fall out of the top 100 if he, you know, if Murder on the Orient Express isn't good, if this universal dark universe doesn't pan out very well, but they still make Johnny Depp's movie. I believe he's the Invisible Man. Um, as well, you know, I know he's got a voice role in upcoming. Um, Sherlock Gnomes which will probably not be a good movie Uh, it's going to be tough I I don't know if he'll be able to keep afloat uh, as much as he has lately so that remains to be seen Johnny Depp 3rd in June 50th overall number 2 with 32 films ranked 47th overall and second in June. We haven't hit the top 25, and actually won't. Uh, born June 22nd, 1949, the second oldest person on this top 10 list, um, with an average film rating of 62.56, a value of 31, and a score of 110.56, which is, uh, is in fact very high given her value and her average but that's because i've seen 15 oscar nominated performances from this person and two wins Uh, and that's meryl streep no one else has been nominated quite this much for acting and probably never will Uh, i am not a big meryl streep fan um and I think that'll kind of become apparent when we go through her filmography. Uh, plus, I haven't even seen all the nom- nominated performances of hers. I think there's five left for me to see. Um, but I don't know. It's t- I think I think she's good. I think she's very good. But I don't think she deserved half of them. Uh, I don't know, I guess I can't say all half, but like there are quite a few, especially like Florence Foster Jenkins did not deserve a nomination for that movie. I I mean, I'm sorry, but it's, she's good in it. There were plenty of good performances this year that I think were better than hers. And I think the problem is that the Academy just loves her so much that they default to voting for her as long as she's anywhere halfway decent. Um, So... That's kind of my perspective on Meryl Streep. Now, her best movie is a film she wasn't nominated for, and that's Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, which she shares with Brian Cox. But then you get into a string of nominations from The Devil Wars Prada and her win for Kramer vs. Kramer. Um, We're already in the 80s already (laughs) at her third movie. Then she's got The Manchurian Candidate, The Hours, her nominated performance from Adaptation, uh, and her narrator role in Girl Rising, the documentary. Um, she's, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I think she's incredible in Kramer vs. Kramer. I don't fault her for that film or Devil Wars Prada. I think she's incredible in both of those. But Manchurian Candidate, The Hours, 
uh, I, you know, I think she's fine in like she didn't get nominated for either of those performances but <clears throat> I don't think that as great as those films are in my opinion that they represent why she should be the best and most nominated actress of all time actor of all time um, moving on to the 70s you've got The Deer Hunter nominated Manhattan Doubt nominated Julia uh, Marvin's Room nominated not nominated not nominated Postcards from the Edge nominated Hope Springs not nominated August Osage County nominated definitely shouldn't have been A Cry in the Dark nominated uh, her narrator performance into the Arctic uh, Into the Woods nominated shouldn't have been Florence Foster Jenkins nominated shouldn't have been we're in the average films now um, a voice role in AI artificial intelligence which was fine music of the heart nominated shouldn't have been out of Africa nominated shouldn't have been suffragette it's complicated we're in the bad movies now uh, the iron lady she won for which blows my mind I don't think she was great in that I think the movie itself was bad the French Lieutenant's Woman, nominated. Don't think she deserved it. Uh, Lemony Snicket's Series of Unfortunate Events. The Ant Bully, Julie and Julia, nominated. Uh, then her three bad movies are uh, The Giver, Rendition, and Death Becomes Her. So, clearly, um, I'm not her biggest fan. And I don't really mince words about that like I'm, I'm quick to say that you know she's not the greatest actress to ever live or actor to ever live by any stretch of the imagination and I, I don't know I mean I, I will definitely entertain the idea that she's one of the best um, and I, I think that you know maybe it's just not my cup of tea uh, but clearly someone with that many Oscar nominations has some pedigree to some leg to stand on in this conversation. Um, but if you take away the 17 points that she gets on my spreadsheet from the Oscars, her score drops to a 93 point something, which puts her squarely at uh, 350th or so, which is like... So, low enough to be out of the conversation, in my opinion. Um, for example, some women that didn't make the top 10 for this month that are maybe a couple of one or two de great films from jumping into it are Natalie Portman, um, or for, let's say, Carla Gallo. Um, da, 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 da. And like Kathy Baker. Imogen Poots, uh, Laurie Metcalf. Um, these are people like kind of in the top 1,000 uh, with a significant number of films, but just not out of it. Helen Hunt could surge forward, I think. Uh, Juliette Lewis as well is within striking distance with the right few films. Um, but, you know, I just... And I don't know that all those names I just listed are better actors than Meryl Streep. I don't think I'd argue for most of them. Maybe Natalie Portman. 
if I had to, but uh, probably not the rest of them. Um, I, I think I would argue Francis McDormand over Meryl Streep, but um, statistically, she is number two in June and number 47 overall. So uh, there's not much I can do about it except try to watch bad movies of hers. Um, but that's, uh, that's Meryl Streep, number two. And finally, uh, number one. Uh, in June, and number 27 overall, so a nice jump up to 27th, um, someone who was formerly in the top 10, uh, like Johnny Depp, but has since fallen a little bit, um, partially because of my influence directly, and the fact that I sought out bad movies from this person, uh, born June 7th, 1978, the third youngest person on this top 10 list uh, with 40 films that I've seen and an average rating of 63.98 and a value of 52 no Oscar nominations whatsoever uh, and a score of 115.98 so five and a half points higher than Meryl Streep is Bill Hader Um, if you don't know who Bill Hader is uh, you should, but it's not. It's understandable if you don't. Uh, he's not the most well-known name working today in Hollywood. He's probably most recognizable for his roles on Saturday Night Live during the late 2000s and early 2010s. Um, he has been, yeah, he's a pretty recognizable role in Superbad. Uh, he's the main voice role in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Um, he is in the TV series documentary now he does a lot of he's been in the series TV series The Awesomes um, trying to see like what his most you know what you would really know him from Tom McDougal on the Mindy Project recurring role um, but probably, I guess I would say that his, he's now become more known for films rather than, uh, TV, especially for me. And, and a lot of it is voice work and it's not always recognizable voice work. So his best film is his voice role in Inside Out. Uh, in that film, he plays Fear. Um, then you've got his voice role in Her, uh, which is very tiny. Um, his small role in 22 Jump Street, uh, Forgetting Sir Marshall, Knocked Up. Um, he's a comedian, so you know he has a lot of films with Judd Apatow in that sense. Uh, Tropic Thunder, um, probably his most, his most, his his deepest and great and role with the greatest depth is the Skeleton Twins with uh, Kristen Wiig which I think is, is great and probably showcases his best acting talents in that. Um, he gets a voice credit for episode seven, the force awakens as one of the voices modulated for BB eight. Um, his small role in pineapple express, his voice role in Megamind, Um, he has a small role in Adventureland, super bad, uh, clouded with chance of meatballs. I mentioned he was in Sasha's party, 
He's in Men in Black 3. Uh, he reprises his voice role in Riley's First Date, a short film based on Inside Out. He was in Trainwreck. He has a voice role in Finding Dory. He was in Paul, uh, the Alien movie with Seth, I think, voiced where he's voiced by Seth Rogen. Or there is Seth Rogen. And then Jay Burrishell is in it, too. He has a voice role in Star Trek Into Darkness, voice role in Monsters University. He's in Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping, Hot Rod, Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs 2, The To-Do List, voice role in Turbo, They Came Together, Ninth Museum 2, Yumi and Dupree, The Pity Card, The BFG is a voice role, Power Rangers voice role of The Robot, uh, voice role in Ice Age, John the Dinosaurs, The Angry Birds Movie, Hoodwinked 2, Steve's First Bath, uh, which is a Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs short film, Mind Candy, which is an Inside Out short film, Year One, which is his first highest rated awful movie, Accidental Love, and then his lowest rated film is Escape from Planet Earth. Uh, Bill Hader is just one of the many voice actors who is very high up on the list because a lot of animated kids' movies are actually really fucking good. Just throwing that out there. Um, you know, alongside uh, people such as um, uh, Frank Welker and Sherry Lynn, who are ranked above him on this list, um, or, or even John Ratzenberger, also ranked above him. These are people who are very highly rated voice actors, and it's tough to knock them down. Um, I've been able, I've been working on Bill Hader, uh, not lowering his rank rating ranking for a while now. Um, like I said, he was in the top ten for a period of time, but at this point he is ranked twenty seventh, forty films in. Still one of the most seen actors on my spreadsheet. Um, one of the 11 people who's reached the 40 mark. And it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, you know, I, I like Bill Hader. I think he's really good. I think he's very talented. I don't know. I don't think he deserves this high of a rating, a ranking or rating or, or score. Uh, hence why I was trying to lower it, uh, so intentionally. Um, but by that same token, like it's like I can't argue like I can't argue that he's been in enough good movies to raise his score this high. It's it's clearly apparent and you know respectful and respectable and impressive in and of itself. Uh, there are as of right now, um, approximately. 4,000, 3,613 people ranked lower than him who have not been in as many good movies as he has. And, you know, that's not nothing as far as I'm concerned. You know, kind of the same argument I have about Meryl Streep. Like, look, I don't think she deserves to be as high as a lot of people think she is, but I can't argue with the numbers. Like... I could change the scoring system, I could adjust it one way or the other, but really the best thing I can do is to seek out films that may or may not may or not be bad intentionally or, or 
you know, because I'm not going to rate their films lower on purpose unless I actually think that they're bad. So it, it's diff it's tough to, you know, you try to get the spreadsheet and the rankings to mirror how you th where you think these people should actually be. But at the end of the day, Sherry Lynn is the number one uh, actor on my spreadsheet. And I couldn't tell you really one thing that she one. I, I could not point to one voice performance she's done that warrants that I can remember, you know, like I'd have to go to IMDb and look up what roles she's had. And that's just kind of how it is. So maybe in the future, like that'll change either her ranking will drop or she'll have actually notable roles. Uh, but until that time, uh, you know, I just got to kind of endure and live with where we're at in, in this, this whole thing. So really quick, I'm going to run down the top 10 yet again. And, uh, like I always say, if you think somebody is not on this list that should, or there are people on this list that shouldn't recommend me films that you think will adjust their score accordingly. And I would be happy to watch them if I didn't mention them already. Um, but the top 10 June born actors as of 2017 are from 10 to one Stellan Skarsgård, Paul Dano, Nick Offerman, Matthew Lewis, Paul Giamatti, Francis McDormand, Brian Cox, Johnny Depp, Meryl Streep, and Bill Hader. All uh, 10 of these people are currently living and therefore potentially making more films. Uh, so there should be plenty more for me to watch as the time goes on. And I'm sure there's, and there's already plenty for more for me to watch going backwards. So uh, expect things to be shaken up and a little different next year. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, questions, or answers, please send them to my email at uh, to my email, circleoffilm at gmail.com. If you want to check out other episodes of the podcast, look at the uh, Circle of Film Awards and the rank running uh, for the nominations as of this moment, um, as well as other information related to this podcast. Head over to circleoffilm.com for all of that information. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell. I know she'll never leave me Even as she fails